Welcome to the Third Season Podcast. So today's guest, filmmaker, musician, author, and I would say psychedelic expert, Jimmy Fritz. So how are you today, sir? Excellent, thanks. How are you doing? Greetings from Vancouver, Canada, where the men are men and the moose are nervous. <laughs> that's a great, that's a great introduction. I've, I've had, I've had a uh, few people from uh, Canada. That's that's the best introduction from Canada so far. Um, right. So you've got a book out. Um, I, I spoke about it tonight. I just did a previous um, live guest show, uh, and it came up in the uh, pre-show. Uh, Confessions of an Ethical Drug Dealer. Um, that's your new book, I believe. Should that's we, correct. Should we get straight into that? Because it's, yeah. uh, a, to me, it's a very, very great title. I pl- I've already plugged it once once tonight. Um, it, 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 the title itself, I love it because it's, 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 to some people they'll go, how can you be an ethical drug dealer? Well, I used to be one myself, so let's talk about yours. Let's talk about your experience. Yeah, well, that's a it's a it's a you know intentionally provocative title because of course drug dealer has a lot of baggage with it. The term, you know, you think of uh, people selling drugs on the street or whatever, and all the problems with uh, addictive drugs and whatnot. <clears throat> this is a this is a complete other side of the coin. So this was one of the intentions of this book was to present a more realistic view of um, drug use and in particular psychedelic drug use. And that's really the differentiation is that, you know, I've never sold anything like Coke or crack or opiates or any of the addictive drugs. And I, I call them smart drugs and dumb drugs. Yep. I'd not, I agree drugs, with that. Smart drugs are the ones that increase your perception and awareness of the world and therefore improve the quality of your life. Yep. And dumb drugs are ones that decrease your perception and awareness of the world, usually to mask other problems because you want to get out of it rather than into it and so it's a completely different you know it's done for completely different reasons by completely different people and i've only ever been associated with um you know people people that use psychedelic drugs responsibly and they use it to enhance and improve the quality of their lives so i mean because again most people and it's kind of wild because i'm a one of the main things that I love is is psychedelics. Um, even, I mean, I've pretty much done every drug under the under the book. You know, you can you can put it in a if you put most of them in a book. There's a, there's a few that I've not done. You know, PCP. I've not really done that. Someone once said it was PCP. I'm, I am an ex uh, drug addict, but I occasionally would do psychedelics. Um, still occasionally do in microdosing. Um, but most people do associate, you know, drug dealing with hard drugs and they don't really actually go, Hey, well, some of it is actually extremely beneficial. And one thing I've found lately is it's harder to taint and make synthetic drugs out of psychedelics, you know, cause psychedelics are psychedelics. So as an, as an example, most people nowadays, you buy cocaine, it's got fentanyl. You know, most things are always cut with something, whereas you can't really do that so much with psychedelics. You can cut well, that some... Was one of, 
One of the main reasons why I started um, actually dealing, I'm an ex-dealer, by the way, yeah, 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 <laughs> but um, <laughs> the, reason, the reason that I did it for so long is because I wanted to get a good, safe, reliable supply for friends of mine, because everybody I knew was interested in psychedelics, and they were all using them responsibly. They were all adults. A lot of my customers used to be doctors and lawyers, dent you know, professional people, teachers or whatever. Academics, yeah. And they wanted to get you know, something that was safe and reliable. So I worked at that and got close to some sources which were very, very pure and very, very safe. And that's that was my original impetus for starting to disseminate drugs. And what did and, you, uh, um, excuse, sorry, what did you originally start with? Well, I first started um, when I was 15 years old and I tried hashish for the first time. Oh, wow, okay. I tried hashish for the first time. Okay. Yeah. I thought this stuff is great. I need to get, I need to I need some more of this. So I, uh, I bought a quarter ounce, seven grams. Yep. I'd sell three of them and then smoke two. So nice. at first it was just a way of getting free hash. Yeah, that's a pretty good deal. <laughs> then as I went along, I got into larger amounts and, uh, you know, built up a network of people. And I've always dealt something throughout my life. I retired recently after writing this book because I wrote this book. Of course, it's very confessional, as in the title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I quit before I published the book. What What was the first psychedelic that you took? Um, first two. Well, I, I mean, unless you unless you count cannabis and and yeah, hash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the first the first thing, and uh, it was LSD. And I did a massive dose and I didn't actually know this was when I was probably 16 and um, I didn't even know what it was. And I was just at the pub one night. This was in the early seventies. And somebody said, Oh, you want to buy a trip, man? You know? And I said, okay, it was this tiny, tiny, tiny little purple microdot, microdot yeah. <laughs> which I found out afterwards was a purple microdot. It was like yeah. 300, three or 400 mics yeah. of really good acid. So yeah. It was a bit much to start with, and I didn't even know about LSD at the time. I had no idea about the effects, and I had the most horrendous trip you could possibly have. And that was, I, I included that in the book as a kind of a balance, because this is what happens if you don't know what you're doing, yep. if you don't know what you're taking, and you haven't prepared at all, you have no intent, whatever, completely irresponsible psychedelic drug use. So that's, that's the way it starts with that experience. And then the rest of the 50 years of experiences were uh, nothing but positive. So that was really the only negative psychedelic effect that I ever had was that first trip. And, uh, you know, again, it's because it was totally unprepared and didn't know what the hell I was doing. Well, I mean, even then, I'm always kind of on the same path. You know, I, I was smoking at the age of 12. I went on to cannabis and hash at 13. But it was hash to begin with, because I could only get that in the UK as a child. Weed didn't quite hit till maybe two, three years later. So I smoked hash for a bit. And then by the time I was about 16, I could get cannabis. Um, and then I, um, I, I mainly, when I was dealing with stuff, it was mainly in uh, ecstasy. Um, and I remember the first time I had any form of psychedelic was there was uh, pills. I used to get love hearts mainly, which made you feel feel amazing. But I had I had some pills once that were were very cut with acid, and I spoke about it on one of my previous shows. And I just remember staring into this um, 
fireplace that didn't wasn't on it was completely pitch black and i was staring into a fireplace and there were some candles behind me and it was like almost like a weird projection-esque um you know it was a weird reflection but it was so visual in my face and it was only a mild form and that was my first sort of real thing but after that it was microdots and one of my friends put one on his eye once, which was very wild. Uh, we all got very fucked up. And one of my friends was one of these reckless characters. I'm not going to shout him out. He's had a bunch of wild tales. Um, but he, he was a rec reckless cat. And he, he put a microdot on his eye once. And it was fucking crazy. The dude, I'm, I'm actually surprised that he didn't lose his eye. It would take water. a while for it to dissolve, I would think. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did take a while. It, it, and that was what was... It, I remember he was walking around with it for about an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, and he was getting stuck in his eyelid and shit. And he was complaining for a while. Um, but then, no, like, honestly, we was walking around getting beers and drinks. We was all fucked up by this point, And he was just complaining. Um... I think he was trying to do like, do you know when people used to put a bottle in their eye and do that? He was trying to replicate yeah. that with a psychedelic experience, which was, which was stupid. We were like, it's not going to work. And if anything, it, you know. Um, but yeah, eventually. It actually does work, does work with liquid acid. I yeah, tried to drop liquid acid in one of my eyes once Ooh. at an after party and just put one, one drop, which is, you know, 100 mics, it's a yeah. standard dose. And I just dripped it in my eye to see, see what the effect would be and how yeah, fast yeah. it would. I'm on it's pretty instant because there's a lot of you know very fine yeah, capillaries in your yeah, eyes so it absorbs yeah. into your system almost instantly but it stings like hell because it's you know it's diluted in vodka uh, it's like dripping uh, dripping you know hard liquor into your eye well, so it stinks like hell but it gets you there fast well that's what he was trying to do but it just got stuck and eventually it did dissolve and he was mangled he uh <laughs> he was really fucked up he was he, he was a wild card um you got any crazy stories? I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I always like to segue. I've got a bunch of questions and stuff, but I always like to sort of segue into things. And while I'm, we're on the subject of stories, um, have you got any really crazy ones? Um, well, from way just back liquid from... acid into the eye would count, but um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've had a lot of very powerful experiences, mostly kind of uh, inspirational and uh, you know, as, you know um, positive experiences. Very few. I mean, I've had, like I say, the only the only negative experience I've ever had on psychedelics. Yeah, no, I mean, um, like, so as as a, as an example, like as a start to finish moment, like, you know, again that that night that I did the, did the micro micro dots in, I remember going back to a friend's house. Everything when I was walking around heavily distorted, all fucked up. But I remember going back to my friend's house, and this. And, get, and I was lying on his bed. It was all light. Everyone was fucking sprawled out. It was all fucked up. And I remember having this weird sort of visual of this chandelier that sort of almost came and broke apart in a weird fashion. And it was for a mild second. And then as I fucking snapped back into it, it was like, whoa, you know, um, huge weird out of body fucking moments. You know, that that's, that's, that's what I'm sort of, you know, getting that in terms yeah, well, of experience that first trip that i had was very very extreme i guess like i said i didn't know what was going on so at one point i thought i was insane and that i would never be normal again and i kind of was trying to come to terms with that 
another another part of the, the experience was I thought it was a lizard. <clears throat> and I turned into a lizard and my whole throat, I was touching my throat and there was this huge warty dewlap that I was playing with. I couldn't touch my neck for about 18 months after wow, that because it would bring it back. If I touched yeah, my neck, yeah. I'd fill this warty dewlap and, Ooh, and flash no back kidding. to being a lizard. <laughs> and then at one point I thought I was dead. And I thought, okay, well, I must have died. And because nothing, you know, that nothing you know, in a, in a conscious state could, could be this, you know, this um, far from, 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 from consciousness. Yeah, so yeah. I must have been, I must have been dead. So then I was coming to terms with that. Like, okay, this is what being dead is like. This is the world now for me forever. And how am I going to deal with it? So all these things were going on. It was a, it was a really, really, uh, it was a terrifying experience. And it went on and on and on, of course, because it lasted for like 10 or 12 hours. And when I finally came back to Earth, it was, uh, you know, it was like being reborn again. I was just so glad to be alive. I didn't touch anything for about two years after that. One, one of the moments I had, I, look, I, I mean, this is why I love the, the show, just because of stories. Um, one of the, and I love talking about drug tales. Everyone always loves them. It's one of the first times that I'd ever done acid. Um, I remember a lot of us were camping out. I'd lost so many belongings during this fucking camp out. Um, and also, there was like four or five of us. I think it was four. And I abandoned ship at some point. Um, it, was, it was just, I mean, you know, there was a bunch of, it was pretty dark. But, you know, there's the sky was purplish. It looked like there was fucking shit going tree to tree, like monkeys and shit. And, and like I kept going inside this fucking tent. I was like, man, I don't like this shit at all. And I remember sitting in there and for about 45 minutes and I used to do um, mapping. So and by that, I mean, I used to do like make maps for games, uh, mostly un, 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 Unreal Tournament. And this was back way back when and I remember sitting there in this tent and I was typing away as if I was on my computer and there was nothing there. And I remember sitting there looking at a screen, a keyboard, and I was doing a whole mess of stuff. And then one of my friends was like, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm just mapping. And they're like, no, you're out camping, man. What are you fucking doing? And then I've looked around, snapped out of it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then I abandoned ship, um, Was went to walk home, um, thought that the friend that was camping with me um, went home. So I knocked on his door. During all this time, there was a bunch of trees and bushes, and I thought there was some weird predator-style shapes in there. So I was smashing it in with, like, sticks, like, literally, and it was about five in the morning, just wailing on these bushes with sticks because of these fucking predator-style dogs. Um, and then I went home, slept for about what would have been 14 hours. Turns out it was three. Went to my boss's house, um... And then he knew because he was a previous drug addict. He he let me in, and uh, I slept on his sofa. Woke up, and then he got the rest of the tale. <laughs> you know. So I think these are cautionary tales about uh, they are too much. They well, it, it, frequency and dosage is absolutely essential when you're doing psychedelics. I don't and... necessarily think it was too much. I think it was my age. I think that's that's the cautionary tale. Um, I think it was primarily my age. 
I think my brain hadn't quite... Again, your brain doesn't stop getting to its potential till you're in your 20s. You know, it doesn't completely form. And I think that that was one of the big things that I did too much. This is why when I look back on it, some of it's funny, some of it I can go, wow, that is fucked up. I don't know how I did that and survived it. Um, But I know when I look back on it, I, I wouldn't want anyone else to go through it. You know, I but if you'd done if you'd done half the dose, you'd probably have, have had a quite a different experience. Yeah, quarter of the dose, you'd have had a really nice social time with your friends. Yeah, that's that's that that is the thing as well. I mean, the problem is when you when you're a kid, it's always like you want to go full tilt, so it's always hard to go. Hey, we need to do this and that. You know, you. But that's what people should do, and that's that's what people rarely forget is that sometimes it's like when you're having edibles. You know, people go, oh, I'll eat that bag of gummies. Mm, you, you shouldn't do that. You know, you're going to mess yourself up. The same when we said psychedelics, you know, with cannabis. It is, it is, it is a psychedelic. You know, you eat 10 edibles, you're going to, you're going to dance with the devil. You know, you're going to do some fucked up shit. Yeah, that's been a big problem here. You know, uh, Canada legalized uh, recreational use of marijuana. It's one of the second countries in the world that have done so um as well as uruguay but um when they did that and they started selling edibles they were just way too strong and it's no it's not an advantage to make an edible super delicious you know and make it into gourmet ice cream or fantastic chocolate bars because people just want to eat more and more because they enjoy eating it but a lot of people were just ODing. there's a recent mushroom chocolate bar in in um some states of America, I believe, and that it, it, on the bar it says not for human consumption, um, but obviously it's like a uh, psilocybin mushroom bar, and it's chocolate. Yeah, that's for legal purposes. If they put it's not for human consumption, then yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody but, gets into uh, problem with it. You know, it's a, uh, there's so many ways that you can just distribute it through your system, and it's it's kind of crazy, you know. I mean, again, I'm I'm not even pro drug. You know, most of the stuff that I used to take, I'm like, you just shouldn't do it. Um, well, some drugs are a lot more useful than other drugs. And yeah, they you are. still have to learn how to use them properly and how to yeah, use them yeah. responsibly and how to use them to get the best effects from them. And it's not hard to do that now with the internet and all the information that's available. There's no reason for people to be ODing on everything. If you just look it up before you do it, you'll find a lot of good information. There's a great site called erowid.org. Um, I'm on there. I've been it's on probably the best, probably the best drug resource on the internet. Yeah, very good. It's been going for a long, long, about yeah, 25 yeah. years now. I think that was like the first, one of the first internet sites as well for mushrooms. <clears> like, yeah. yeah, that was way back when and dial-up times. Yeah, no, they've been around a long, long time, but it's a great resource for people to check out if they want to try what, what? some of these new research chemicals that so you have to f- figure out what the dosage is because yeah. they're all they're all over the map some of them are active in very very tiny amounts and some of them you, you need to take more but you should always start low and then work your way up what's your thoughts on fly agarics because people have a very mixed opinion on those some people will go oh, it's very toxic and it'll kill you and then you go yeah but that's what gets you fucked up you know um well, the problem with fly agaric is there's lots of mushrooms that are much better. The Cubensis mushrooms are much better. Yeah, yeah. There's 114 different mushrooms that contain psilocybin. And fly agaric is one of them, but 
it's uh, very easy. They're, they're, they're problematic because they do have toxins in them and they can really hit your system hard. And why bother when there's, uh, you know, 50 other species that are, uh, that are much better, better effects and, and less problems. What's one of so your just... um, favorite mushrooms? I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of microdosing when I can. Um, I'm a huge fan of mushrooms. I, I was trying to grow some at one point, but it, I didn't have the right conditions. Um, it's quite your... difficult. Yeah, it, it, it is. I mean, I'm not, I, I kind of think I got dubbed with a fucking shit bag of spores, um, to be honest. I normally go and pick them. It is roughly mushroom season now, but I've just not had the time. Um, you know, what, what's one of your favorite mushrooms? Because you get so many varieties, and some people now are breeding them hybridly, which is kind of you know strange. The most common, uh, the most common species around here for commercial use is um, the Cub Mexican cubensis. Okay. Oh, there's Amazonias too. Yeah. Sometimes we uh, have um, Amazonia is what I was doing. The Amazonia hmm. PES. That's yeah, Golden there. Teachers is another one that's uh, quite popular. Golden Teachers are very good, and uh, one called Penis Envy. Yeah, I was going to see. I've looked at all of those. I was going to get the Golden Teachers. Um, I think personally, why I fucked up was because the Amazonias that you need some hefty um, right conditions, and I think I just jumped in a bit too soon. I mean, I'd yeah. like. I mean, sometimes part of my brain goes, yeah, they fucked you on the spores, but I go, nah, they didn't. You just grew them wrong, you fucking fool. <laughs> you know? no, they're really hard to... I they grew are some Amazonias once, and we got the spores, and we sterilized the grain and did the mycelium in an autoclave and tried to keep it as sterile as possible. But we got the green mold and the blue mold and the black mold yeah. and the this mold and the bread mold and... You know, almost everything. You're creating a perfect environment for, for, for spores. And there are spores in the app. So unless you have absolutely, you know, meticulous sterile conditions, it's very, very easy to get contaminated. And once you're contaminated, everything grows better than everything takes over better than the, uh, well, the actual mushrooms. I mean, the uh, small grow tent bag is still there and it's still got everything in it there's like stuff going on and i'm hoping that I, well I was, I was like when it sort of looked contaminated i was like uh let's just leave it and see what happens so i've just left it i'm hoping that it will turn into some weird truffles <laughs> under it yeah you know i'm hoping that's the wish and thought <laughs> there's lots of kits you can get now you can buy mycelium in in a bag and, and yeah it's just been from um, obviously i'm in the uk so they're they're a little bit, uh, you know, they haven't quite got it fully out there yet. I think we're no. almost there, but we're not quite there. Um, what about DMT? Have you ever tried that? Oh, yeah. The uh, big thing around here lately is DMT vape pens. Yeah. Is that what you're vaping? <laughs> yeah, it's in, a, it's in a vape and it's just in, a, you know, you get a half gram or a one gram in there. They last forever. And it's a fantastic way of dosing it because you just you just suck on the vape, so you don't have to deal with smoking mixtures and you know it, not burning it properly and you know the, the dosage and whatnot. You can take a tiny little hit and get a little flutter and a little you know little buzz, or you can take a couple of hits and have a big buzz, or you can take three or four hits and go to the moon and back. Yeah, yeah. So what? it's very, very easy to dose, and it's a very, it's a really good way of doing it. I think. What extremes has he gone to with DMT? Because 
DMT is a very fascinating subject for a lot of people. Um, primarily just because of consciousness and some people put some conspiracy to it with, you know, higher planes and different dimensions. And the one yeah, thing I think that, that's problematic. Yeah, that's 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 the other thing. You know, it's like when people talk about clockwork elves and stuff like that. Have you heard about? Yeah, yeah. Have you ever had any, machine elves. Yeah. Have you ever heard? Have you ever had any experiences like that? Just while we're on the subject. Well, it is an experience like that, but it doesn't mean it's real. Um, it's a psychological effect, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it's based, and you conjure up whatever's whatever's in your experience and your background. I know that the propaganda oh. machine can make you feel that way, if that makes sense. <laughs> you know, if, if, if there was 100 people in a room and one person said something, it spreads. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it does. I mean, it does. I understand how it happens because it does feel like you're in another universe or you've gone through to another dimension or you've, you know, entered a different plane of consciousness. But actually, it's all just happening in your brain. And that doesn't, that's not to diminish the experience. That's the, you know, it's just as, it's just as inspirational and it's just as, you know, incredible uh, with a, with, you know, with a rational explanation. And I think it's problematic with in psychedelics generally now that people are spinning off into all these like supernatural uh, uh, explanations. I don't think it's really useful to the, to the, you know, to the prolonged use of psychedelics. I think we need to understand them for what they are. They're, you know, catalysts that, uh, that operate in your brain and they yep. activate neurotransmitters that give you a different experience of your own brain, but you're not, you're not going to another dimension or another no. planet or anywhere else. No, no, I know it what just you're feels like that. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, you know, some people can't comprehend what, what's going on in their head. So they'll go, go and go, Hey, well, this must be what it is because they, they can't grasp what it is. It's so out of the box. You know, I've been there myself, you know, like I say, I, you know, I've, I've had tons of wild moments where I have gone overboard and I, I shouldn't have. Uh, but that's just most, most of those times were just because I've always liked to push things to the limits. And now being the age that I am, I regret absolutely pretty much all of it. I've got a bunch of funny stories. That's cool. But you know, in terms of mental health and overall health, just pushing everything razor edge, it, it's not the way to go. Um, it's why I microdose now. It's you know it's just psychedelics. Um, I mean I quit stuff many years ago, many many years ago. Um, but the thing thing that I love about psychedelics is that you can get slight gains off it. You know, like I say, you know you have this the DMT pen and that people don't realise how beneficial those are, that is for for mental health. Yeah, if you um, use it responsibly. Yeah, yeah, if you use it responsibly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're, they're very powerful tools. And if you just, you know, gobble them until you, the walls melt, then they're really not very useful at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you know, there's, there's people, even then, it's like, it's like the people that put uh, the hand sanitizer that was 100% alcohol into jails and then expected them to just, you know, use it on their hands rather than drink it mm -hmm. you know <laughs> you know it, it was like hey wait you know but you can you can almost put that same way in which you know with a with a pen you know you can i've had cannabis pens and i've i've gone wow well, you know sometimes i do like to get a bit fucked up myself um but i that's just with cannabis and you know mild alcohol 
If I if I'm doing psychedelics, I know how to handle them responsibly. I don't do anything other than that. Uh, it, even then, it's been a, a I'm not saying a very long time. You know, a microdose. I've got a horn that I drink out of that you know has a bunch of residue in. That just, I don't ever wash it. You know, it just just building up a whole bunch of stuff, and that gives a mild effect. Um, but it but people should be using stuff responsibly and. Did you delve much into that with your book? Because I've not had a chance to read it yet. Oh, yeah. That's pretty much the whole thrust of the book is yeah. how to use psychedelics responsibly and, uh, you know, to, for a maximum benefit. I mean, that's again, I, I do need to read it. I've not had a chance. Um, most most of the time I've had I've had a lot of authors on the show. Um, a couple I've had a chance to read beforehand because they've sent me like a like a proofread before they've released it or whatever. Um but I've just not had a chance due to the fact that um, there's time constraints and whatever. But it will be a read that I'm definitely going to do. Have you ever yep. thought about doing audio books of it? Just while we're on the subject of being an author? Um, not really, because it would, uh, you know, it's too expensive to do an audio book. And at the end of the day, Ooh. are you going to sell enough to, uh, you know, cover the costs and make a profit? And I decided uh, probably not. But have you ever thought about doing like... Um, like chapters maybe on youtube where you just maybe read it yourself because you're very articulated i could listen to your voice all day sir you know and i, I could this is another reason why i say it when i when i listen to books especially um from authors that i've i like personally and then occasionally some someone comes on and they've got an audio book and i'll listen to that um i always like to hear their voice rather than somebody else narrating it yeah, if um, I did an audio book, I would read it myself for sure. Yeah, but, that's, um, that's that's what I'd like. Like that's... I said, it, it's a huge job. It's many, many, many hours of uh, of you know reading, and then many hours of editing. editing. Yeah, yeah. And then at the end of the day, it's very hard. I mean, even even the print books and the e-books are uh, very hard to get noticed on the internet now with with a book. You know, you can put it out there as much as you want. And I have done that, you know, repeatedly. <laughs> I love that. That was amazing. That was one of the most <laughs> amazing responses I've ever seen. It was like, brrr. Boom. Gone. Yeah, I love that. That was amazing. Yeah, um, so, uh, no, it's very hard to sell books and audio books, too, so to get noticed. There's, there's millions of millions of books coming out all the time. And... Uh, to try and get them noticed. I mean, I don't have any um, illusions about, you know, becoming a best-selling author because uh, yeah, yeah. even though I'm getting great reviews and the people that read it really seem to rave about it, but well, could, which, is, which is gratifying. Uh, I wrote it more for, um, more to share with, you know, friends and family and people that I know that my, you know, 50 year journey with psychedelics and travel. So I call it a psychedelic travelogue and memoir because you know it's a geographical and philosophical journey through through the world and through through psychedelic experiences. And so yeah, it's more or less to um to share that experience with people that I know. Um, you know, whether a stranger reads it in uh, in Milwaukee is you know neither here nor there. So I don't have any um I am selling books and I have, you know, I've more than broken even now. I'm into the profits. So, you know, and it's it's a great way to publish through, um, I publish through Ingram Spark, which, uh, you know, disseminates through um, Amazon, all the Amazons and Barnes and Noble and Apple Books and iBooks and whatnot. 
So anybody can find the book by just typing in the title, Confessions of an Ethical Drug Dealer by Jimmy Frist, available at fine bookstores everywhere. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I just... Love, I always love a good plug, by the way. I always want people to plug. <laughs> I always love it when they do. And um, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be available, you know, on the internet for on print on demand and an ebook forever. So, you know, it's nice to have that. It's nice to have that availability. So if somebody's interested, I can say, well, just, you know, just type in the name and, and get a book if you want. So it's, I like to, you know, it's great to have it available, but uh, as for competing with uh, millions of other books out there and trying to, you know, sell a lot of books, it's, it's pretty hard to do. Well, that's, that's occasionally where, I mean, to me, this is why I love getting you on my show. I mean, we spoke in like May, I believe. Maybe in May? Or was that earlier mm. on? Yeah, I can't remember. It was, I don't know. Um, it might have been May. Uh, no, sorry, that was somebody else. I've got somebody else coming on my show. Um, that was that was in May. Sorry. Um, but, it, you know, it was, a fair, it was a fair few weeks ago. But, but it, it just intrigued me because I've, I've never had anyone on to talk about psychedelics. Um I feel like personally, I've almost approached it the wrong way. I feel like I should have got a bunch more different questions, um, because, and I feel that way just because I know. Normally, I come at things with one angle or a different angle, which is sometimes I'll come at things where I've had a bit of a drink and I'll get fucked up and we'll talk some shit and get into things. But then occasionally, I like to come in things professionally. And I think this should have been the professional angle. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> have you seen my notes? You, 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 I think you, you might be right. Check your notes and pick out the more professional questions. Yeah. So, it's all right. I don't know. I wrote another book called Rave Culture. I was involved with rave culture for many years. And I was promoting raves. And... Um, I, but really, I have got a bunch of questions about again. I, I've looked at all the, yeah. the bi bi biographical stuff. So that to... book is called Rave Culture and Insider's Overview by Jimmy Fritz, available at fine bookstores everywhere. Another great plug. Love it. <clears throat> and people can also find all this stuff and, and also music. I've got five albums, I've got, yeah, I've got, I've got 26 music videos. <laughs> and they are available at jimmyfritz.ca. Oh, no. It's amazing because I, I had that as notes. I was going to, again, I, I said musician at the start and I was going to get into That's it. That's okay. I'll take care of it for you. Thank <laughs> you. I'm glad you took care of it. That's jimmyfritz.ca. I'm glad you, I'm glad you just, you shredded my notes in about 30, 30 mm. seconds flat. <laughs> I actually love it. That was amazing. It was like, any good questions? I was like, yeah, yeah, oh, well, I've, got, I've got some. And then you was like, oh, musicians with five. I've got it all written down here. Oh, no. That's that's hilarious. So, if you had, if you had any advice for for modern day users of psychedelics, um, obviously within moderation, because you know a lot of people are microdosing now, um, but even then, some people could take it to the extremes. What advice would you be able to give them? Well, I'd say start low. You know, start low and work your way up. It's better. I mean, the most common stories that you hear about LSD, for instance, is that somebody did a hit. Oh, and no, in uh, mushrooms. 30 minutes, and mostly. so they did another hit, and then the walls are melting, and they felt they were mad and dead, and they never did it again. So that's that's unfortunate. It's just an irresponsible. I mean, it's, to, to use another analogy, it's a difference between, you know, having a glass of wine with dinner and, and, and feeling lubricated and chatty or drinking a two-sixer of hard liquor and, you know, puking and falling in a ditch. 
those are two, that's the same drug. It's completely different effects. So I think the biggest lesson that I, you know, the biggest cautionary lesson that I would say is to, to start low, you know, start with a quarter of a hit, do a quarter of a hit of acid and go for a walk in the woods with a couple of close friends. You'll have a wonderful experience. It'll open your mind to all kinds of possibilities. It will stimulate your imagination and creativity. And uh, you'll, you'll have a positive effect. Then at a later date, you can increase the dose up to, where you're, where, up to wherever you're comfortable. What about but yeah, the biggest of, uh, mistake is people just do too much. What about in terms of mushrooms? Because like I was saying, mushroom microdosing is the thing at the moment. Um, <clears throat> that, that's the main thing that everyone... I mean, again, it works as a great antidepressant. Um, there's a whole bunch of benefits, even as like an anti antioxidant, you know, with mushrooms. It's there's so many great benefits with mushrooms. Um, yeah. What would I mean? Most microdosing people microdosing is very big around here right now. People are microdosing with LSD and and there, uh, I didn't know that was a thing that they can <laughs> that they're doing that in in Canada. Oh, it's huge. I know lots of people that are doing it and it's because they've, you know, they've suffered from depression or anxiety or whatever for years yes, and they've either. tried all the pharmaceuticals, nothing's worked. And, you know, they don't, the, the, the SSRIs, the serotonin selective reuptake inhibitors, they, they work for some people, you know, in more extreme cases, but um, generally speaking, they don't solve the problem. They just kind of, you know, waylay it or mask it. So, psychedelics seem to uh, actually elevate your consciousness above those you know triggers and those getting stuck in the depression and anxiety to sort of elevate you above it and then you can uh, you can take that forward you don't have to keep doing it once you've once you've reset your brain you can actually uh, you can actually cure the problem so that's the benefits and there's very few side effects and very few downsides to it so uh, it's safe and effective, and so why not give it a try, right? Are you a fan of uh, Paul Stamets? Yes, yeah, sure. Yeah. He's a he's a mushroom expert. Yeah, yeah. He knows a lot about mushrooms. The and um, Terence McKenna. Not a fan of Terence McKenna. No. <clears throat> what's, what's the no. uh, reasons behind that? Well, Terence McKenna loves to come up with fanciful, wishful thinking, and supernatural explanations for everything. Oh, he's okay. the guy that invented. Uh, wash the machine elves and the dmt catapult you into a into a you know a multiverse or another universe or you know and all this stuff he was the guy that came up with the stoned ape theory yeah, which yeah, is yeah. completely you know there's no evidence for that whatsoever that human consciousness was propelled forward about hundred thousand years ago by you know primitive man doing uh, doing mushrooms there's just there's just no evidence for that and, um, you know, he was also a big conspiracy theorist around the year 2000 with the Mayan calendar was coming to the end. He predicted the end of the world a couple of times and was completely wrong about that. <laughs> so I just think, I mean, I think he's a brilliant mind in some ways, but he just goes off into these supernatural explanations for which there's no evidence. He's, it's not, it's not science-based at all. It's complete, complete fantasy land. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of Terence McKenna. No, I mean, some people aren't. I mean, you know, it's almost like, um, I mean, again, yeah, it's, it's, it, even then it's a theory, you know, some people are like, oh, Darwinism, that's a theory. Some people No, it's like not. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not a no, theory. No, no, but you know what I'm saying? Some people, it's the same, you know. Some, no, I don't think it's the same thing at all. One is science-based really? and it's based on evidence. 
and the other is not. So they're actually diametrically opposed. To no, that. no. I just mean in terms of people's stupidity. Well, people you know, will believe anything. I mean, let's face it. You know, you know, there's people that believe the Earth's flat. You know, that's right. But they're just wrong, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, no. Occasionally, I do like to fuck about with that crowd and just put some bullshit in there. Um, mm. I'm a part-time conspiracy theorist, um, but I like to fuck about with the mix. You know, I like to throw some bullshit in there, but I know, I know my own, you know, I'm not stupid. <laughs> you know, I just like to piss around. Um, I mean, the thing, I, I mean, I'm, the only reason I like Terence McKenna is just because occasionally I like to delve into fantasy, you know, and I like to go, you know, and that's what you can almost put it to in some aspect. That's Some fine. If you appreciate it as fantasy, then it's not a problem. If it's, yeah, yeah. you appreciate it as a fiction and a fantasy, then that's fine. But when you start presenting it as scientific fact, that's a problem. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, uh, I just like to get people's takes on things. That's all I yeah. like. Um, I love to get people's takes on things. I love to get people's opinions. Um, because it, it gives people <laughs> a great insight into not only my show, but into people. You know, quick. <laughs> if, if you want to take it, I can edit it. No, out. no, no I'm okay. not going to take it. Honestly, I can edit it out. I don't mind. That's I don't fine. really don't mind. Um, I've had wilder things happen on my show. Trust me. Yeah, um, yeah. What What are your thoughts on? Um, obviously, in the UK, we we haven't we've still got every drug law do you think that we should follow suit mm -hmm. uh, we are one of the we are the world's biggest supplier of medicinal cannabis as well which is <coughs> wild i didn't i didn't know that until a couple of years ago um but i think it's under that basis that we should at least legalize something um, no, i mean the, the the whole drug problem is we need to teach people to use them responsibly and beneficially and figure out how to do that, not just ban everything. One of the problems with prohibition is because the, a lot of these drugs have been illegal for so long that we haven't been able to do research on them. People haven't been able to do legitimate research because they can't use, this, use the materials because they're illegal. <clears throat> so now they're becoming legal in lots of places. They're starting to do research and they're finding out that they're, you know, they have a lot of applications and that's what we need to do. We need to do scientific, legitimate scientific research into these drugs and not just, you know, <clears throat> fantasize about what they're good about, but actually find out. Obviously you've once got we find the... out, they can be applied in that way. You, sorry, yeah, you've got the, uh, you've got a DMT pen, you can get little hits off it. Um, they do a ketamine version as well in the States, I believe. What's your thoughts on that? Ketamine? Yeah, they, obviously they do a, a pen version of that where you can do sort of microdose versions of ketamine. Uh, yeah, to me, ketamine is not really a recreational drug, but I think it can be a therapeutic drug. There's a program in, uh, there's a program in, in Vancouver which is using ketamine to um, get people off uh, harder drugs, get, you know, opiate addicts heroin yeah, yeah. addicts and whatnot and they're using people it, on benzos mainly yeah yeah they're using it as a transitional drug to uh for addicts to get them off for addictive more addictive drugs and uh so that's you know that's that's all that's all very recent research so there have been that you know there could be some therapeutic uh 
if, if something is used therapeutically and with the intent and alongside legitimate therapy, then they can be, I mean, ketamine puts you in a very somatic, uh, somatic receptive state. And so therapy can then become a lot more effective. So it could be used in applications like that. But again, it's very early days and um, there's very little research on it and very little information. So, yeah, but it's not really a recreational drug. No. Well, I mean, uh, there's, there's a lot, again, in the States. They're, they're, you know, there's some places where you can, again, get crack and it's uh, legal, which is pretty wild. I think it's, uh, what state is it? There's a state that's just completely all open, and it was. A I haven't heard of I haven't heard of crack being illegal anywhere. Yeah, there's there's crack and heroin. Um, it's a couple of months ago. Well, heroin used to be legal in the UK in the seventies. They were giving it at prescriptions. Yeah, I knew yeah. a dozen people on prescription heroin in in the UK, and it uh, completely solved the drug problem. People weren't stealing for to get a fix. People weren't spending twenty four hours of their time trying to find a fix, they got a prescription. They went to the chemist once a week, got their box of syringes and their little bottle of pills of pharmaceutical heroin, went back to their squat or whatever and uh, shut up. They didn't bother anybody. I didn't even know that. That's wild. Yeah, that was all through the 70s. I don't know why they stopped doing that because it really solved the problem. We have a massive problem uh, here in, in Vancouver. It's huge. Thousands of people are dying on the streets from overdoses of fentanyl. It's almost yeah, all, yeah. everything sold as yeah. heroin now is actually fentanyl, fentanyl. at 90%. There's cocaine with it now as well. <clears throat> yeah, it can happen. So yeah, it's a big problem, but how do you solve it? You give people a prescription. If you're addicted to a drug, you treat it like a health problem, you give them a prescription and they're not gonna, they're not gonna have problems. They're not gonna OD, they're not gonna spread disease, they're not gonna do crime. You know, you take all that out of it. Well, I'm all for that myself. I think everything should be completely legalized. I think it should be somewhat taxed because they have to make money and put it into a system because that is how the drug trade, unfortunately, works. Um, but there has, there has to be guidelines and regulations. But it's just so sort of... I mean, it is tricky to manipulate and manage some aspect, but I think it's, it's, it's not entirely... It's not undoable. Wherever they've tried it, it's worked. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know what the resistance is. I think yeah. it's kind of, there's a puritanical type of streak that runs through us, I mean, which says that, you know, people shouldn't be getting high. I don't know why they don't do it in the UK. It's, it's a no-brainer because recently I learned that Amsterdam were trying to... This was pre-COVID. I don't know what they're trying to do now. It might have been just at the start of COVID. That they were stopping... Um, People coming in to smoke, you know, so it was illegal if you was a tourist, but if you lived there, it was legal. And yeah. I was like, how are you going to manage that? That's such a strange thing to control. You know, you're going to have to check everybody. It's, on, it's, it's, it's bizarre. You know, it, it seems like a middle step rather than the, the, the final play to me, <laughs> like, which it doesn't make sense. And... I don't know what's, what the follow-up to that is. I know it's gone back and forth a few times. But, uh, again, I've always wanted to go go to Amsterdam. I never got to go. And then when I looked into it, like it was like, oh, we're going to stop closing off to tourists. I'm like, oh, well, what's the fucking point? 
Yeah, you they've know? gone backwards and forwards on that a few times. I'm not quite sure where they're at right now, but when I lived there, it was all the coffee shops were open and anybody could go in and do what they like. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame. I mean, we should follow suit. We we should, well, sorry, not follow suit. We should, uh, because of that, we should just go, hey, okay, let's just be the middle ground to that. Let's just open everything up, get get a bit wild in some places. Well, because there's some real wild places in the UK. You know, if you go on some coastal places, it's pretty, pretty rough. Um, it's pretty free, it's, you know. Yeah, I lived um, in Brighton or through the 70s on and off. Yeah, yeah, I was, I mean, I was half talking about Brighton. That was, a, that, was a, that was quite a town, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got my, uh, I, I think, well, I've got friends in Brighton now. Um, I've, no, I've never really, I've never been Brighton, which is kind of crazy. I've lived here my whole life. I've never been. Um, one of the only few coastal towns I've ever been to. I might have to put it on my list of tourist spots this, this uh, coming year. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty progressive town. I always liked Brighton. I come from Crawley originally, which was, uh, you know. I know where Crawley is. Yeah, I know, I know where Crawley dead is. End. Yeah. It was a horrible town. I got out of there as quickly as I could, and I moved to Brighton when I was 15. Left school oh, okay. and left home and left everything <clears throat> at 15 and went to Brighton. And that was a good move because it was a much, be a much better place. See, it's always... I, lo I always love talking to people from the UK because I can somewhat relate more. Most of my guests are from America, but obviously you're in America, but you're from, from the UK. Canada. <laughs> you're from Canada? No, I'm, I'm from England. Yeah, I live in Canada. Yeah, that's what I was saying. It, it, that's why I can relate. Sometimes I get people, most of the people that I talk to are from the States. Whereas right. this time I'm talking to you in the States, but you're from the UK. In Canada. <laughs> and you're in Canada, yeah. So, um... <laughs> it's a slightly different country than the States. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, I'm confusing myself. It's been a long day. This is my second show today. Putting that out there, people. Um, but, <laughs> I lost my question. Uh, but... The, Sometimes I, I enjoy talking to people from the UK because it's easy to, to relate more. Um, but I know where Crawley is. Um, do, you know, do you know where I'm from? A hell, hell hole called Nuneaton. Nuneaton? Yeah, you ever heard of that? I'm not. No. I don't live. I don't live there now. Well, you should. You should probably Google it after you, we come off this show. <laughs> if you if you was born and raised in the UK, you'll you'll look into it. Uh, it's a tiny little little town, um, just shy of Tamworth, um, a little bit from Leicester um, yeah. and Birmingham. Uh, yeah, it's off the A5. Uh huh. Yeah, so I know you, the area. Yeah, if you go straight, it's literally up, straight off the A5. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm from. It's, it's not a great place, you know. We all come from these places, and you you never know where you're going to end up. You know? Yeah, well, there's a reason we don't live in our hometowns anymore. <laughs> <laughs> mine, was, mine was a hellhole. It was an urban planning disaster area. <laughs> you couldn't wait to get out. <clears throat> never went back. <laughs> so when, when you was... Um, I mean, I don't want to give too much away from your book. Because if you, if you delve into it in your book, then I don't want, I don't want you to tell stories from your book. But have you got any sort of tales from you from from your past that aren't in your book in terms of um, drug dealing 
you know, without making sure that you don't give in anything away for a second book, because I know that's probably going to be in the works. There is a second book in the works. But yeah, that's about psychedelics. <laughs> okay. It's about uh, somebody in a mental asylum plotting their own suicide. Oh, oh shit, that's pretty dark. Well, it's, it's a comedy. <laughs> it's a comedy. <laughs> well, hopefully I'll have some lighter moments. Okay. But uh, I wish yeah. I wish I'd have started laughing like that at the start of the show. I mean, when I. I'll admit the last show I come off, it was a wild show. So I come in like guns are blazing and uh, I should have been more serious, but uh, I tied it around. And then now when you say that, that's almost set me back on that same path. It's a suicide. And I was like, oh, it is. And you're like, no, it's a comedy. <laughs> I'm like, oh no. Yeah, it's going to be hilarious. Yeah, it, 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 I can't. Do you know? It, I can't even tell if you're serious or not. Oh, I'm absolutely serious. That's, no, I don't know. It's, it's going to be called the end of everything. Okay, I need to. I'm going to look forward to that because I could imagine that'd be a very good book. Um, oh, you've made my cheeks hurt. Jesus, that's wild. You, you, you're one of these people that. Uh, <laughs> You get me on. You've got, almost got me on the back foot constantly. I'm like, where do we go with this one? Is it being funny? I don't know if to be serious. This is no, one I'm, those, I'm deadly serious. I know there's a middle. <laughs> there's a middle ground to this. I'm on that razor blade edge, and I'm like, <laughs> it's literally hurting my cheeks. Oh wow! Again, if you'd have seen the questions I had on the paper, oh man, bunch of ridiculousness. What was the last question on your list, and then we'll wrap oh. it up. Okay, we're down for an hour. Okay, that's cool. We'll, we'll, no, I won't do the last one on the list. We'll keep it serious. What I would like to do is um, I'd love to get you back on to actually talk seriousness. Like I say, some of my shows are actually more professional than this. Uh, where I actually don't drink, I don't get high. You know, I just have a genuine interview. I've tried to keep it this way and I'm actually sorry that I couldn't keep it. You, I've tried to. We've, we've tried to keep it as best as. Um, what things would you recommend um, to listeners that want to read about psychedelics, such as myself? Because I love reading and I love looking into documentaries, but I've pretty seen every documentary about mushrooms and psychedelics that there is. Um, so what kind of books would you recommend? I just read uh, The Politics of Ecstasy last week, actually, by Timothy Leary. Okay, well done. And he's yep. a pretty crazy guy. One book that I would recommend uh, is, is uh, Timothy Leary's autobiography. Okay. It's called Flashbacks. And it's one of the most incredible, wild stories that you'll ever come across. I mean, his life was just unbelievably you know just one crazy adventure after another it's hard to believe but it's uh, you know it's it's true because it's well documented so yeah i would highly recommend that book i'm just reading a i'm just finishing a book called uh, novel with cocaine that was uh, written by an anonymous russian author who sent the manuscript to a french journal in uh, 1917 they sat on it for years and it finally got translated but it's just beautifully written you know like in this russian What's the author russian that? prose um m anginev anginev <clears throat> but that's not his real name it's a it's a fake name but okay. um nobody, kn nobody knows who wrote it but it's a fascinating read and it's brilliantly written i love i love russian literature One... I love the way the russians write 
uh, one one thing um, before we again we we'll we'll round up. Have you have you ever heard of Howard Marks? Mm-hmm. Um, you ever read his book of dope stories? Yes. That's a fantastic book. It's um, I read it many years ago. Yeah, um, it was a really good movie too. Yeah, with with Mr. Nice. Mr. Nice with Reese Ivins. Yeah, that was a great movie. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, he played the role very well. Very, um, very well. Very, very well. Um, he's a very interesting character. Um, and I, I, again, I love to put recommendations out there. Um, I can't recommend it to you now because I knew you'd, I knew you'd know it, but I was hoping that you would. Um, the, the fact that you've read Book of Dope Stories is. The thing that I loved about Book of Dope Stories is that it's experts of different stories. And then when you go in to look at those other stories, you know, you can break it down into probably, ooh, got to be about 40 books, maybe. I don't know, maybe more, because they're all experts of stuff. You know, it's got to be around 40, 50. Well, the two books that I mostly recommend is Confessions of an Ethical Drug Dealer, and rave culture and insiders overview. <laughs> Everything you need to know about psychedelics. No, they're all good plugs. I'm glad. The one thing I am glad is during all my fuckeries, people know I'll always fuck up. It's all good. And people will respect you for the pro- professional that you are. Mm-hmm. And, re- and realize that I fucked up this time. I should have come in professional. Um, but one thing I would love to, ha- love to do is I'd love to get you back on for, a, uh, for uh, another interview. Now when I know... The problem is, like I said, I've come off another show and I was so charged and I was like, let's let's fucking get wild. And uh, that wasn't the case. <laughs> like, uh, so I'd like to actually get you back on um, because I know there's a bunch of actual stuff. Now we've had this first sort of uh, podcast. I know my angle. I want to come at this at in terms yeah, of you should, maybe you should read my book. Oh, I know I will. I will read the book. Have a lot to talk about. Oh, no, I will. Don't you worry. The problem is, it's, um, I didn't get a, I don't think, in that first email, I got got the book. It's just been so long. Uh, and then, obviously, we spoke a few days ago. Um, but I will read the book, trust me. Um, every every author that's been on, I've read their books. All right. Um, I, I, every single one. Um, and Write some me a them, review on Amazon. Oh, well, if you want to purchase it, I can purchase it right now if you want. All right. right. (laughs) I've got a few transactions I need to do after this show. I don't mind. Uh, I'll purchase it. Don't you worry. Um, Here's, I mean, one thing I will say is when I, because I've I've got a few few books that are being sent. um, I like to get signed copies of books because I want to get a, uh, when I change studios, is I want a, a bookshelf of all the authors. Um, so if I purchase said book, is there any way that you can sign it or is it in some distribution center? Well, if you get it off Amazon, it'll come as a print on demand. So, um, uh, you won't be able to sign it. So uh, that's the thing that was the problem. I'm going to have to purchase it from yourself. You got a copy to hand? <laughs> I'll pay pal- PayPal it. I don't know. I'll bank, bank charging. I don't give a shit. It, again, I always like to have, have books to hand. Um, well, shoot me an email and we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll work it out. Uh, well, listen, um, you've done many plugs. This has been almost an error of a show on my part for the first time. I mean, I'm 60, 60 in now. I knew it was to come. Um, I think I salvaged it. 
I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. It is what it is, and people can make of it what they make of it. Yeah, they, they, well, they will. They'll, they'll know midway through my energy. They were like, whoa. You know, that, I, I just didn't realize it. It was me. Uh, maybe I'm just being critical of myself. I don't know. Who knows? Well, listen, it's been it's been very fun to have you on. Um, okay. Next time I'll have a, a whole massive preload of different questions that were non-relatable to fucked up drug stories. Okay. Uh, that's kind of, you know, I was trying to get a different leverage. I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's, that's all I've got to say. I don't think I can say much more than that. Apart okay, from, well, thanks for having me. And um, read the book, and then uh, we'll have another conversation, maybe. No, we will. Oh, maybe. Oh, that was it. I knew I ruined it. <laughs> now, listen, this has been the Post Human Podcast. Uh, take it easy, people. Thank you very much.